1: Say What is the radio program of Protect Our Kids, which seeks to inform and equip concerned citizens about the looming crisis in American education. So listen in as your hosts, Mark Schneider and George Roska Jr., unpack the issues and organizations affecting our children. And now here's your hosts, Mark Schneider and George Roska Jr.,
2: Hello, everyone. I'm Mark Schneider, and I want to welcome you to today's episode 120 of Say What, where we talk about the threats to our children in the public school system, including school board policies that actively advance the sexualization and gender confusion of our nation's children. My colleague, Pastor George Roska, is still out for the next couple of weeks when he'll return in the meantime, I'm privileged to have as my guest someone that we've had on the program before. In fact, she was here last week, and she knows something about unions, having been exposing them in her long career as a public educator. Welcome back, Brenda Lebsack. It's good Thank to you, see Mark. you again. Um, a little bit of uh, uh, information about Brenda. Brenda is a public school teacher in Orange County, California, and she's been teaching since 1988. She was a school board member from uh, years 2016 to 2020. She and her husband have been in Christian ministry for over 30 years. They've got two grown children and an expanding list of grandchildren now that are, that are coming. And this is actually uh, part two of a discussion that we be- began with Brenda last week when we explored the content of an article that you wrote In Real Clear Politics with Rebecca Friedrichs. Well, this week, Brenda, I wanted to explore with you a very different but related subject that you recently brought to my attention. And this is a lengthy policy statement put out by the Santa Ana Unified School District here in Southern California. How did you obtain this document and how widely dispersed has it been?
3: Well, actually, it was when I was a school board member and I was passing policies um, back in 2018 is when I really started honing in um, on these policies. And when Orange Unified wanted to pass a very similar policy, which most districts have, by the way because it's coming from the California School Board Association, when I saw this policy and I saw the word gender identity, because I am a member of the teachers union and I get their magazines, I saw that in 2017 they redefined transgender, meaning you could be both genders or neither gender or gender fluid. And so I thought, wow, they are actually saying there's many genders. And so I was curious as a board member before I passed the policy, I wanted a legal definition of the word gender identity. And the California School Board Association came back with a very generalized term like nonconforming, gender nonconforming. I challenged that definition and asked my superintendent, I wanted a legal definition um, that was definitive. And so we hired other legal counsel, and in 2018, um, the lawyer found that legal definition in fair housing, fair employment, that was passed as a regulation in July of 2017, meaning that it can be um, male, female, neither, both, or something else, or fluid. And I'm like, wow. They changed the construct of humanity in July of 2017 from fair housing, fair employment, and... Told no one. That should have been the headline news. Yeah. And so um once I brought that out, I started talking about that, saying, that's ridiculous. And so that was back in 2018. And so Santa Ana Unified, um, if you, you notice if you go to pretty much any website of a school district, you'll see on the bottom of their homepage this non discrimination policy. And it's it's everywhere.
2: Yeah. POK. we reported on these years across the nation. This isn't really unique to the Santa Ana Unified School District. We're going to talk about it today because it's a good representation of what's happening across the country. So this this is adopted school policy in the Santa Ana Unified School District. About how many kids are in, in the district in Santa Ana? You have any Sixty thousand. Sixty thousand. Okay, so keep that in mind, uh, listeners. When when we're going to be exposing what's actually in this document, and the document says is well, it says they're guidelines. Are they really just guidelines, or is this mandatory policy for
3: teachers in the school system? Well, in the beginning of the year, um, we have to be trained according to law now mm-hmm. on sexual harassment and non discrimination, and so. They are really putting fear in teachers, making it look like if you don't do these things, you could lose your job. And then they do emotional blackmail by saying, you know, you're you're causing harm if you don't use all these pronouns as a child identifies or if you don't use the chosen name of the child and you could be causing harm and you need to keep this confidential from the parents.
2: Uh, which we're going to talk about because a lot of that is stated in the documents themselves. Um, and one thing that um, jumped out at me throughout this document, all the things that they're going to be talking about, the policy statements they're making are all premised on the safety of children, a safe and supportive environment. Th- those are code words, actual or perceived gender uh, identity equal access. In fact, the policy states that the reason for the policy is to prioritize the needs of transgender, non-binary, and gender non-conforming students to minimize stigmatization and maximize their social integration. Have you seen other classes of students singled out for such special treatment and accommodation in the school system? Or is it just LGBT plus students that are getting this special accommodation?
3: Well, actually, this, the California Teachers Association, I'm a special ed teacher, and they just recently passed a business item saying that they want to create 504s, um, for. LGBT students, especially transgender, um, a 504 is an accommodation, a legal accommodation that says that based on a child's usually a disability of some kind, it could be dyslexia or something like that, that they'll get, um, special accommodations, whether it be more time on homework assignments, um, maybe modified homework assignments or, you know, whatever. It can be all a very, so they want this now to be treated like a 504 where they're get being treated with kit gloves, right. with special treatment. Um, and it's important, again, that we look at definitions because transgender doesn't just mean a boy thinking he's a girl or a girl thinking he's a boy. It could be just as our books in first grade kindergarten are in our schools right now. It tells kids that their gender can change like the weather based on their feelings, then they can change day-to-day, moment-by-moment, week-to-week. So this is actually creating um, confusion and a mental crisis in young children because the Q in LGBTQ actually means queer or questioning. Yeah. So kids automatically start questioning What am I? And one of the pictures in the books called What Are Your Words actually has a kid after he reads all these pronouns with a big question mark over his head and a frown on his face because he's anxious. And who wouldn't be? So they are creating the problem and then saying that they have a solution from the crisis they created.
2: How convenient. Well, you mentioned definitions in the document, and there are specifically eight of them, and I want to read what these definitions are, and then maybe we can talk a little more more detail. Gender is the first one. The second one is assigned sex at birth or assigned sex. Next one is gender expression. Next one is gender identity. Number five is gender nonconforming. Number six is transgender. Number seven is nonbinary. And number eight is social transition. So in the policy document, these are all well defined terms. Just to give you a, a simple example of a, a couple of these. Gender is defined as a person's actual or perceived sex. Now that, that's code language. We see it everywhere in, in school system documents. But it's self, um, it's a self-contradictory statement because it's saying a person's actual. And then on the next breath, it says perceived sex. And that's your gender. It doesn't matter whether it's true or false. That's the definition of gender. Another one, gender expression. It's something that does not automatically imply gender identity. So you can have a gender identity, but you can express it in some completely different way. It's your choice going to the subjectivity of the matter. And how about non-binary? This is a direct quote from the document. Non-binary is an umbrella term for gender that falls outside the gender binary, and then in quotations, boy slash man, girl slash woman. Not all non-binary persons identify as transgender, and transgender persons do not necessarily identify as non-binary. So, Brenda, what are some examples of non-binary gender identities?
3: Well, interestingly enough, um, I will tell you that when I saw all of these genders and then I saw that in our school bathrooms, starting in kindergarten, we had the 988 suicide hotline number. So I thought, well, they're creating a mental crisis. So I think I'm going to pretend to be a kid and text this crisis number and see what they tell me. Yeah. So I texted them and by the way, the district also gave us all these free t-shirts With the 988 number on it telling us to wear it, Um, so we're, we're being asked to be walking billboards for this 988 number. When I texted it, it came back giving me 11 plus genders to choose from. And I don't have them all memorized, but they are on my website, brendaforkids.com, with the number four, brendaforkids.com. You can go on the article section under 988, and it will have the screenshots for you with those 11-plus genders, or you can choose your own. And all of the crisis hotlines are telling kids, they're surveying kids and giving them all these genders to choose from to normalize this.
2: Yeah, and these are just the definitions. We haven't even gotten into the policy statements yet, so maybe we should talk about some of those. The first policy statement has to do with names, gender markers, and preferred gender pronouns. What is the policy with respect to those in the school district? I'm assuming the teachers are required to adopt whatever the preferred gender identity of the student is in the school system. Is that, that correct? That
3: is what they want us to do. In fact, um, we have a document called safe, inclusive, safe school climates. Okay. From the Southern Poverty Law Center, who I'm not sure how safe they are since, you know, moms for liberty is now on their hate map. So they have momophobia, but basically their definition of non-binary is it's boundless identities beyond the binary. So when we're talking about boundless, we're saying it has no boundaries and we're saying beyond the binary, It says beyond the binary spectrum besides male and female. So that's really going outside of the human species. If you want to talk about definitions before I, I'm a PE teacher now, but I used to be an English teacher. So I really study definitions because I think that they're very important. And when the, the health framework came out in 2019 saying that genders are going to be considered ever expansive, ever evolving, and sexualities, the same thing, then that was just open-ended. There is nothing. Um, and so I contacted the California Department of Ed, and I said, can you please put one statement saying that pedophilia will be exempt as a future sexual identity or sexual orientation? I, I requested this twice, and I think it's a reasonable request, and they denied it. They would not put that one line of exemption.
2: Big surprise. Mm -hmm. Big surprise. So we know where this is going. I'm going to read from the the policy statement itself regarding names, gender markers, and pronouns. Students will have the the right to be addressed by the names and pronouns that correspond with their gender identity as expressed by the student and asserted at school. Using students' affirmed requested names and pronouns promotes, here again we see this uh, language, the safety and well-being of all Students on campus. Is parental consent required for teachers to use these personal pronouns?
3: No. In fact, I had an interesting experience. um, uh, Let's see, it was last school year, um, and we had all of these new mental health workers coming into our schools, and it was an elementary um, school, and the name of the group was called Neutral Ground. So I asked one of the mental health workers, a very young woman, um, I said, how are you trained through your agency to define gender identity? And she said, oh, that it's a choice. And I said, okay. And what if a kindergartner comes to you and says that he identifies as both genders and wants to go by the pronoun of tree because tree is in one of our books. And she said, well, we have to affirm it. And I said, what if um, the kindergartner says, don't tell my parents because they're Catholic. We're in a very Catholic community. It's very Hispanic immigrant community. And she said, I can't tell the parents until the child gives me permission. Yeah. So I went to the principal, told him the conversation, and he said, oh, yes, that's so that we can have our schools be a safe place. And I challenged him and said, oh, so the new definition of a safe place means to deceive parents? he didn't like that.
2: No, I don't suppose he did. And the, the policy expands to restroom access. That That's the next um, statement in the policy that says a transgender and gender nonconforming students not can be, it says it shall be allowed access to the restroom uh, that comports with their gender identity. Have you seen evidence that that's being widely adopted in the school system?
3: It is definitely being adopted. Yes. Um, I know that in the schools where I teach, now right now I'm an adapted PE teacher, so I teach PE to kids with disabilities, so I go to seven different schools. So I'm able to see a lot, you know, that's going on. And uh, I noticed in one of my schools that was designated as a future community school, uh, so it has a lot more funding coming towards it, it we had uh, tampon dispensers going into the boys' elementary bathrooms starting in kindergarten. And I'm like, this is unbelievable. And so, um, there was a, an email that came out from the principal to all the teachers, just letting us know that we had to do this and to comply with the law. But actually, yes, there was a law passed, but it was for middle school to high school. It wasn't for elementary. So, um, one of the, the school site council is a great place for parents to go to buck these things that are going on on the local level, besides the school board, mm. the school site council. <laughs> and, One of the dads, um, we sent him this information, and he was on the school site council, and he just came against it, and um, he contacted, like, even his own legislature, (laughs) he was so upset. And they were taken out.
2: Yeah. I mean, the law that you're referring to is called the Menstrual Equity Act. It was signed by Governor Newsom just uh, recently in the last couple of years. And it does yes. require that uh, tampon and menstrual product dispensers be um, applied in uh, boys' restrooms in middle school and high school. It's discretionary for elementary schools. But as you've just stated, it, it's happening in the elementary schools. It's part
3: of the programming. It's it, part of the brainwashing kids to normalize things that aren't normal.
2: Completely. Well, Brenda, the next uh, topic in this policy statement is determining a student's gender identity. I'm going to read from the document. There is no medical, mental health, or legal threshold requirement that students must meet in order to have their gender identity recognized, supported, and respected by a school. Schools shall accept the student's assertion of gender identity unless it's for an improper purpose is it fair to say that there is absolutely no objective basis for schools having to support a student's gender identity it's purely subjective it's whatever students happens to feel at the time that you ask
3: absolutely correct in fact i tested this out and we have um it's called teen.org it's a national crisis hotline where kids teenagers are counseling kids um, so the blind leading the blind, essentially. And I pretended to be a kid and I wanted to see how far I could go. And I said, I really feel, and I gave a good rationale behind it, that I really feel that, um, I, I identify as a vampire cat. And between the hours of six to nine, teens are counseling teens on these text lines. And the person said on the other end, and I screenshot it. It's on my website, by the way. Um, that yes, well, whatever you feel is authentic to yourself. Go at, you know, that's your identity and be who you are. Be brave and be who you are. And that was a vampire cat.
2: I'm speechless about what you're saying. I mean, I, I wish I could say I'm surprised, but the truth is this is happening in our public schools.
3: I want to mention one thing, Mark, is I noticed, <laughs> and and somebody can go back on my website and read the dialogue that I had with this teen counselor. Um, but what they do in order to, cause I thought, what about the liability here, what they do to cover themselves on liability? And this is how the teens have been trained, um, is to always say, I feel that, and that is the way the teen always came back to me. Well, I feel that you should identify however you feel. They always use feelings.
2: That's the new metric. However you happen to feel. Well, I, I want to cover a few more of these uh, uh, policy statements that, that are really important because it goes on that they have a gender transition support yes. and gender identity support plan now that, that's a policy in the school system. And here's what it says. Schools shall be prepared to support transgender students who choose to transition while in school. Consultation and resources through support services and school counseling. Identity support plans will be developed by students in collaboration with support staff. IDSP facilitators must complete training that provide a comprehensive overview of the strategies critical for effective implementation of an IDSP plan. Who are these facilitators? These are people that have been being trained, right, to encourage kids to transition according to their whatever their subject or gender identity is.
3: Correct. Um, Right now, these facilitators would be considered um, the counselors, the nurses, um, the mental health workers that are coming into our schools. But the California Teachers Association just passed a new business item saying that they, and once they pass a business item, that means it's going to go through legislation. That's how it works. And it's in process now that um, by law, they want every school to have a LGBT liaison in every school that can give support in order to, quote-unquote, save lives.
2: Well, I I want to make sure we cover one more category, and uh, again, this is part of the position policy statement, and it has to do with overnight field trips. So, I, I mean, if it's not already shocking to you parents, listen to this. I'm reading from the policy statement. Transgender and gender non-conforming students should be allowed access to sleeping corridors that align with their gender identity. These are for overnight field trips that are school-sponsored. In these instances, the school has an obligation to maintain the transgender and gender non-conforming students' privacy and cannot disclose their status to their parents, regardless of whether the student's roommates know about the student's gender, status. So even when the student has come out and is sleeping with kids of the opposite sex on school-facilitated overnighters, the school must keep parents in the dark. That's what the policy statement says. And
3: this has already been happening in Los Alamitos over a year ago. Um, fifth graders were sent to science camp and they, had, they came back and found out that one of the counselors was considered non-binary. So it was actually a male that was the cabin leader for the girls' cabin, fifth grade girls.
2: Wow. And this gender separation applies to other activities as well. The district encourages staff to eliminate gender segregation, the differentiate based on gender, as it appears arbitrary and does not serve a legitimate educational purpose. For example, foregoing binary terms such as girls and boys, for inclusive language such as students and scholars. This is what we at Protect Our Kids called the language wars. So they're getting rid of certain terms that identify with biology, girl, boy, male, female. And now you have to use certain code words that make sure that we don't attach a specific gender to their identity.
3: Correct. They are trying to teach that, but they're not being, in my district, they're not being very successful. Um, we're a very Hispanic community and they're very much into Mother's Day, Father's Day. So they haven't been successful yet. But the goal is this. The, the reason they've been bypassing the adults and going straight for the kids when it comes to brainwashing and telling them that they, they can choose their gender and create this gender confusion is because They have laws in place that support the kid and go against the parent. So it automatically puts a wedge between the child and the parent. And they know that psychologically the parent has that unconditional love for that child. So you threaten to take away that child, you're blackmailing that parent. Or if you say or tell them, oh, you're not accepting that child, you're not showing unconditional love to that child. The goal is to get the kids identifying as these things so that they can put the parents against the wall. Well,
2: you heard, ladies and gentlemen, the term brainwashing. I didn't bring it up. So Brenda is a public school teacher. She uh, has intimate knowledge of these policy statements that have now been brought to our attention. That is indeed what's going on in our school system today. It is indoctrination. It is brainwashing. And we encourage you, parents, please take steps to protect your children. Uh, Their futures are at stake. Well, Brenda, I want to thank you so much for coming on our program uh, and enlightening us about what's happening in the public schools. I hope you'll come back and visit us again. In the meantime, uh, please visit our website, protectourkidsnow.org, where you can learn about this and many other topics relative to our children in the public schools. I'm Mark Schneider for Protect Our Kids.